What's happening, everybody? On today's show, Mississippi State loses another receiver to the portal. A Georgia freshman will miss spring ball. A former Georgia running back predicts the quarterback battle. And what is Alabama getting in new OC Tommy Reese? We'll discuss with former Notre Dame quarterback Malik Zaire. Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And what is happening, everybody? Welcome into Locked on SEC. It's great to have you guys along. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. And remember, Locked on SEC is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and at LockedOnSEC.com. Let's jump into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Makes the handoff. Around the conference. And we start over at Mississippi State as they are losing another wide receiver reportedly to the transfer portal ahead of spring practice. According to the athletic wide receiver, Caleb Ducking has entered the portal as a grad transfer. He led the Bulldogs this season with eight touchdown catches. Ducking finished fourth on the team with 46 receptions for 477 receiving yards. He was a member of Mississippi State's 2020 recruiting class coming out of JUCO. He's six foot five and very productive wide receiver. Now keep in mind, this comes on the heels of leading wide receiver Rara Thomas leaving Mississippi State this offseason to transfer to Georgia. Their third leading receiver, Ladetra Griffin, he entered the portal as well back in January, but he withdrew after a few days and announced he's staying at State. State has brought back former standout receiver Chad, Chad Bumpfus as the wide receiver's coach and a lot of uh, fans and alumni are excited about him being back there. So we'll see what he can do with this receiving core. If he loses ducking, you still have got uh, LaDietrick Griffin and uh, four-star Florida wide receiver Creed Whittemore is coming in, as well as Eastern Washington transfer Freddie Roberson. So we'll see what this means for Will Rogers in the Mississippi State passing game. Remember, it's going to look a little bit different with Mike Leach no longer there. So I'll uh, we'll see what they look like uh, once they hit Spring ball, Mississippi State, and that offense. Maybe more of a defensive team this year, Mississippi State. We'll keep an eye on that. Meanwhile, over at Alabama, they are settling in with their new OC in Tommy Reese. And Mike Golick Jr. was on with Greg McElroy and Cole Kublick this week and said, look, Tommy as a coordinator is one of the smartest users of pre-snap motion, formation shifts to help identify what's going on with defenses to help give his quarterbacks information. He said, I think you got one of the smartest young up-and-coming coordinators in college football. So that's uh, one former Notre Dame Irish player speaking on that. We'll talk with another one in just a little bit. Malik Zaire will join us. We'll get his thoughts on what Alabama is getting in Tommy Reese. On the other side, with their defensive coordinator hire in Kevin Steele, Josh Pate of 24-7 Sports said he is questioning the hire. He uh, repeated that, you could not sell him on the fact that Nick Saban would hire uh, Steele and confidently assume he is the guy to take over the heavy task of bringing Alabama's defense back to where it's got to be. He said, you're just not selling me with all the resources at Nick Saban's disposal that Kevin Steele is the guy with no conditions tied to it that he looked at it and said, he's who I want to run my defense. There's no way you're convincing me that that was the guy that Nick Saban wanted. So uh, we will see. Is uh, 
Is he wrong? Is Kevin still going to get this defense back to playing like a top five defense? Pete Golding did a good job, just not a great job. We'll see what Kevin still does there. Meanwhile, Lane Kiffin chiming in on the uh, Alabama situation. He had a message for those folks who have been disappointed with the hires. Put it out on Twitter. He said, Alabama still has Nick Saban. And for a lot of people, that's all that matters. He just put together the number one recruiting class. A change in coordinators, will it even matter for Alabama? Because uh, Nick Saban is the straw that stirs the drink there in Tuscaloosa. So Lane Kiffin defending his guy, Nick Saban. Now, he did steal Saban's defensive coordinator. I guess you can look at it. Alabama fans won't say that. I, I get it. Alabama fans will say, no, no, no. We kicked Pete Golden to the curb. We didn't want him anymore. Either way, he left Alabama. He's at Ole Miss now. You have to wonder if Lane Kiffin, is he doing playing my Jedi mind tricks? What's he doing <laughs> with backing? Hey, you guys respect Saban, all right? Dude, don't you go against him? Don't you compete with him for recruits and try to beat him every year on the field? Anyway, uh, other news over at Tennessee. They conducted an internal review and discovered minor recruiting violations after the 2021 season related to going after a player in the transfer portal, the Knoxville New Sentinel reporting that based on a university document, one of Tennessee's football assistants committed an NCAA violation by talking and texting with a high school coach of a player at another SEC school who wanted to gauge the Vols' interest in him before he entered the portal. The self-reported violation is on top of the ongoing NCAA probe at Knoxville from the Jeremy Pruitt era. The university reportedly contends in a response to the NCAA's notice of allegations that Pruitt and his staff knowingly concealed the violations as the school put forth its best effort to comply with the NCAA rules. I think these are silly. I mean, look, if a kid is thinking about entering the portal, what's wrong with a coach at another school reaching out to his former high school coach and saying, hey, you think that kid would come play here? What are we doing here? I get there's tampering. I get there's all that kind of stuff. But it also comes back to how can you know if the kid has any interest? You're supposed to wait until he's in the portal. I get it. But um, I don't know. As long as you're not reaching out to the kid specifically, reaching out to people near him, I would say that's okay, but I'm not the NCAA. In other news, uh, Georgia pass rusher Marvin Jones Jr. not going to participate in spring practice due to a shoulder injury. Dogs HQ reporting Jones recently underwent shoulder surgery and will miss spring ball for the Bulldogs. Report said he is expected to be ready for fall camp. This would have been Jones's first spring practice with the Bulldogs. He was a member of Georgia's 2022 recruiting class, expected to take a big step moving forward. So we will... Uh, see what happens with him he was a five-star prospect in the class of 2023 the number 24 overall player the number three edge rusher so uh again big time player there for georgia and uh they'll have to go throughout the spring without him could mean you know, an opportunity for somebody else to step up and uh get their shot when you talk about damon wilson gabriel harris samuel and pemba there's uh there's a lot of different guys who will get a shot here and other news around the conference, Robert Ayers officially going back to the University of Tennessee, completing his NFL career. Ayers has spent time as a high school coach in the Knoxville area as a defensive line coach. Uh, he was the D.C. at Oak Ridge High School. On Tuesday, the Vols officially announced Ayers will be added to Josh Heupel's coaching staff. He will fill a defensive grad assistant role for the program. Uh, he played for the Vols from 05 to 08 recorded over 100 tackles and uh, nine sacks and an interception. So very uh, well-respected player there. And going back to help out with the Vols, 
and I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans are excited for that. And there you have it. That's the latest news going on around the conference. We'll get to some more news in just a little bit, including uh, Kenny McIntosh uh, talking on the record about who he thinks will win the Georgia quarterback battle this spring. So we'll discuss that in a little bit. We'll also, uh, coming up next, talk with our buddy Malik Zaire, uh, former Notre Dame Irish quarterback, knows Tommy Reese better than anybody. So we're going to get his thoughts on who he thinks uh, Alabama is getting in their new OC. Going to be uh, exciting to talk about that with him. Uh, first, want to remind you guys that this episode is presented by our friends over at FanDuel. And FanDuel has got you covered for your Super Bowl party. It is America's number one sports book. We're really excited about them being our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, it's even better. They got so many great features. Download the FanDuel app now. So you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You will get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. Join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That is FanDuel.com. Slash locked on, make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Roll along here, locked on SEC. We'll be joined by Malik Zaire here in just a few seconds. But uh, first, we want to get back into diving into some of the news going on around the conference. And there is a lot going on as we dive back into it over at Georgia. Kenny McIntosh, he is leaving Georgia for the NFL draft, as we know, was at the Senior Bowl this past week. And according to Dog Nation, McIntosh is predicting that Carson Beck is going to win the quarterback battle over at Georgia. He uh, told Dog Nation, I believe Carson Beck will have to be that leader. You also have Kendall Milton in the backfield and Jamin Dumas-Johnson on defense. But offensively, Carson Beck is going to have to step up and be a leader and earn that trust. So we will see. I mean, plenty of weapons there, including Brock Bowers. Uh, we talked about the Mizzou transfer, D- Dominic Lovett coming in at wide receiver. Uh, some people think Carson Beck maybe has the tools more talented than Stetson Bennett. Now, Stetson Bennett accomplished a lot in his career with his, I guess you would say, limited physical attributes. Carson Beck looks the part. Can he go out there and earn it? Going to be a fun quarterback battle to watch at Georgia this spring. Over at South Carolina, Shane Beamer and company, uh, they will uh, be getting some good news coming their way. South Carolina Athletic Department on Tuesday announcing a $1 billion modernization project at and around Williams-Brice Stadium. Uh, Some people saying it'll be uh, reminiscent of Truist Park in Atlanta, which is home of the Braves. No formal plans, timelines, or budgets yet, but the request for information allows the school to hear ideas from developers for more than 800 acres of undeveloped property already owned by the school. And there are some big-time renovations planned, according to Athletic Director Ray Tanner. He said, we believe this could be a game changer for our university. He added one of the primary goals of the project 
is to expand premium offerings inside of Williams-Brice Stadium. Look, nobody wants to go sit on bleacher seats and watch a football game anymore. They want luxury suites. They want TVs. They want their buddies there, alcohol, all that other stuff. Uh, other upgrades include improvements to concessions, bathrooms, and the concourses. So, um, again, if you're a South Carolina fan, better experiences coming very soon, it sounds like, with uh, renovations down the way. Meanwhile, over at LSU, Brian Kelly and his staff, uh, they had a really good defense last year. Their front seven held its own. Mizzou transfer Makai Wingo played very well for them on the interior on the, of that line. They'll lose Jaqueline Roy, B.J. Jolari, and others heading off to the draft. Uh, they're hoping Wingo will step up, play an even bigger role this year. And Pro Football Focus ranks Wingo as the number three returning defensive tackle for next year in college football. Wingo is the only SEC defensive tackle to make the cut on Pro Football Focus's top list. So we'll see what Wingo looks like next year for LSU. Of course, L, uh, Ole Miss said goodbye to Chris Partridge, who uh, has been hired as an assistant coach at Michigan, according to On3 Sports, former Ole Miss defensive coordinator, previously coached for Michigan back from 2015 to 2019. It's not clear what his role, uh, specific role, will be in Ann Arbor, but uh, Ole Miss feels like uh, they're going in the right direction with bringing over Pete Golding from Alabama. Meanwhile, uh, an SEC football note, uh, ESPN analyst Bill Connolly has the SEC with two teams in his top 10 nationally for returning production. He's got Texas A&M at number seven and Missouri at number nine as the two SEC teams in percentage of returning production. Now, the Aggies, they bring back 80% of their production, while Mizzou brings back 78%. And Connolly writes... While higher, low-returning production percentages doesn't guarantee a good or bad team, they do correlate well with improvement or regression. For a few years now, we've been attempting to expand how we measure returning production. The formula uh, that he's created has shifts with each new year of data. He says the Aggies have placed nearly 30 players in the transfer portal, many of whom are recent star recruits. That could hurt down the line, but they don't lose many players who were impactful on the field in 2022. So, in other words, that production they, they of guys who did play last year, they got a lot of them back. Is it a team that was painfully young and offensively disorganized last fall? Would be a lot more experienced this time around. And with the new OC, Bobby Petrino, if he could build some quick traction, a turnaround could be coming. As for Mizzou, he says quite a few key players from a strong defense elected to stay uh, on the team this coming fall, and the offensive line returns mostly intact. If Eli Drickwitz could finally figure out his quarterback spot, Brady Cook is back, but he's got a couple of blue chippers in there, redshirt freshman Sam Horn and the Miami transfer Jake Garcia, and the Tigers might have everything else they need for a nice step forward next year. Again, you know, we look at schools like Georgia and Alabama. They lose a lot, and then they just reload. And those play, you know, the players who step in, Sometimes they're just as good or even better. So just because you're bringing back guys from last year, you know, I always say this, when a team was bad one year and they go, oh, but they bring back their whole line. Well, if the whole line was no good last year, just because you're bringing them all back doesn't mean you're going to be better. But again, Bill Connolly, he gets into the advanced metrics at ESPN and he takes into account, um, you know, returning production. So there you have it on the that note. Uh, Jaden Rashada, quick note on this. Uh, he's known as the former Florida quarterback recruit who was set to receive a $13 million NIL deal with the Gators. Of 
course, the deal fell through. He ends up at Arizona State. But the Athletic did a little bit of a deep dive, and what they found was a breakdown of the payments. He was going to get half a million dollars up front. Payments would increase from $250,000 a month as a freshman to $290,000 a month as a sophomore, $375,000 a month as a junior, and then $195,000 a month as a senior. Uh, he would have his, his residence in Gainesville, at least one branded Twitter post and Instagram post per month, up to eight fan engagement events per year with the Gator Collective, autographs, up to 15 pieces of merchandise per year. Yeah, it's uh, it didn't happen with the Florida Gators, but pretty interesting to see the uh, details behind that one. In some SEC hoops news, Kentucky's tournament resume starting to take shape and uh, ESPN did their bubble watch, and they said Kentucky still has some work to do. It was updated as of Tuesday morning. Kentucky came into the week 16-7 and overall, but 7-3 and in SEC play. And ESPN's John Gasway said, from the opening tip of the St. Peter's game last year's NCAA tournament, it's been a bumpy and unpredictable road for Kentucky. The low point came when a 26-point defeat at Alabama was followed by the far more shocking three-point loss at home to lowly South Carolina. While Kentucky did stumble early in the year, they've been much better lately. They've won six SEC games in a row, and their only loss came uh, January 10th against Kansas in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. So keep plugging away, but we'll see uh, what Kentucky uh, is able to do to add to their resume. In SEC Baseball Nugget, uh, their uh, ESPN released a lot of their game schedule for this year. They are implementing a mercy rule this year for SEC baseball games, uh, Arkansas reporter Andrew Hutchinson shared that if a team is up by 10 or more runs after seven innings, the game will be over. Previously, the SEC had has had mercy rules in place for the conference tournament in Hoover, Alabama, but not regular, regular season play. SEC teams will begin the college baseball season next week, February 17th. Conference play begins on March 16th. And just a highlight of some of the games that will be coming uh, on ESPN. Ole Miss will take on Vanderbilt on March 16th. Number one LSU will be at AM on March 17th. Number two Tennessee at number one LSU on March 30th. Ole Miss at AM April 1st. And then Vandy at Florida May 12th. So those are just some of the games that ESPN put out there to keep an eye on. And lastly, South Carolina women's basketball team, they are on a really impressive string of dominance. They hold an SEC record for their run at the top of the AP poll. Last week, the Gamecocks settled that debate as the number one team in the nation. They beat number five, UConn, on the road with an impressive 81-77 win. Aliyah Boston led them with 26 points, 11 boards, and two blocks. And now the showdown with LSU coming up. This Sunday, February 12th, is going to be massive as the two teams are undefeated. But uh, the Gamecocks will also play at Ole Miss and at Tennessee before the end of the season. We'll see if they can finish off with a undefeated season. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Coming up next, our conversation with Malik Zaire. You don't want to miss that. Going along here, locked on SEC, and uh, we'll be getting a lot of feedback about 
you know, the Alabama coordinator hires, some people like him, some people don't. And um, what is Alabama getting in Tommy Reese, their new offense coordinator coming over from Notre Dame? I figure well, nobody better to bring in than a former Notre Dame guy himself, Malik Zaire, who is hosting the uh, Lucky Lefty podcast, former quarterback himself. He was there when Tommy Reese was there at Notre Dame. Malik, what's going on, man? I was there when Tommy was throwing it, not calling the plays. Right. Yeah, no, no, no. That's what I was going to bring up. Let's let's start there. You're the young guy coming in. Reese has been kind of the established starter. Uh, talk about Tommy Reese, the player, in your time at Notre Dame and kind of what you saw getting to know him with him being the upperclassman, you being the young guy coming in. You could definitely tell Tommy was a lot involved in game plan. He definitely knew what was coming down the pipe week to week. He was in tune with the coaches. He taught me a lot from uh, the the preparation and, and the relationship between your office coordinator and the quarterback position, how important it is. Uh, those guys were on the same page. That was his fifth year at the time. So uh, being able to see a continuity uh, between the growth of an experienced, mature quarterback five years in compared to me just starting out, I got to learn a lot. And uh, I wouldn't say he's the – most player-inspired uh, coach, you know, in terms of bringing young guys along, but he's definitely a guy you can take notes from, uh, learning along the way as you're watching and trying to learn yourself. So um, definitely a lot of coach quality to him. I think he has a head for the football game and in terms of what the, the newest nuances are and always trying to scheme up different things to – um, be successful on offense, and he and he ended up getting transitioned nicely into the offensive coordinator position. But we all knew that Tommy had a career in coaching as he was a player, and uh, he's living his dream right now. So, so let's talk about it. He he ends up coming back to Notre Dame after a couple of stops at Northwestern and, and you know San Diego Chargers. He works a little bit in the NFL. Comes back in 2017 as the quarterbacks coach, and then eventually. You know, Brian Kelly elevates him to, to offensive coordinator. But uh, you keep up with the Irish. You followed him the last handful of years and so on and so forth. What did you see? What did he bring to this offense that maybe it was lacking or maybe he kind of kept going? What What did you see with Tommy once he got involved with the Notre Dame offense? Well, I think one thing you can see is that he highlighted the talent that we had that was the best. We put a first-round tight end in the, in the draft this year. We got to highlight um, the features of our offense, which we were strong at, which is running the football, which is something I know Alabama probably is going to love about Tommy. He's going to run the damn ball. But for us, um, seeing Tommy develop and and sticking to his guns by staying nuanced enough and and trying to be creative with getting the guys that are the best players on the football team, the football, that's his best quality. I mean, you saw it in how he developed Michael Mayer, and, and, and he definitely makes his quarterback responsible for a lot more, in charge of a lot more, whether it be protection, switching the play, switching the run, uh, hot routes, alerting guys on what's coming in terms of blitzes. So you're going to be heavily involved in the quarterback position, so it requires a lot of trust that Tommy has uh, with the quarterback, which is interesting because, you know, that affects recruiting. You know, he, he only likes putting people out there that knows the system well enough to go execute. So uh, it's going to be an interesting dynamic. You know, he had a lot of control and autonomy at Notre Dame being the quarterback coach and the coordinator and basically making all the decisions as a sub head coach on the offensive side, 
being under Saban is going to be a, a little different. But I think uh, if anybody's ready for a challenge like that, if you can survive Brian Kelly for as long as you did, I think Saban wouldn't be too hard either. Yeah, somebody brought that up. There was a few parallels to Brian Kelly and Nick Saban just being those those hard-nosed guys uh, to, to work for. Uh, I want to go back because it's an interesting parallel. Alabama finds themselves in a quarterback battle now with Bryce Young off to the NFL. And, you know, they got two very talented young guys in Jalen Milrow who played a little bit this year and Ty Simpson. But Notre Dame was kind of in that similar uh, spot a year ago with, with Buckner, you know, ends up winning the job. And then Drew Pine ends up taking over and plays much of the year last year. What did you see or what effect do you think Tommy kind of had on those quarterbacks uh, from both styles, because the offense, let's be real, was kind of slow against Ohio State and Marshall, and then it kind of seemed to take off a little bit more with Pine in there. Well, for whatever reason, Tommy recruited the hell out of the talent of our quarterback room, where we became a talentless quarterback room for a while. And I don't know why he did that. Maybe it was a, maybe he wants to go back to the Greg McElroy, uh, you know. A.J. McCarron type of quarterback style for the offense. Uh, maybe that's Tommy's thing, you know, being able to recruit the quarterbacks that he did during his tenure. Um, it, it definitely isn't the quarterbacks that you're going to be seeing sitting in New York at the end of the season, but they fit with what Tommy is able to make the offense go with. They're like a, a mini mind of what he's thinking as a coach and a lot of reason why we got Sam Hartman. I think Sam Hartman had a lot of interest in going to NFL, but he saw a lot of quality and benefit in Tommy, uh, a lot of similarities that I think they would have had a lot of connection with at Notre Dame with him being a grad transfer or a fifth-year guy trying to transfer into Notre Dame for a year. Has a lot of success with transfer guys. You see what he was able to do with experienced guys like Jack Cohn being a backup at Wisconsin, but a fifth-year guy has some experience. So Tommy's definitely based more with guys that have played and guys that have got some some good knowledge base of the offense or concepts that he likes and schemes he likes to run. So it's going to be interesting to deal with a whole room full of guys that are unproven. Even Jalen Milrose himself has had a lot of talent, but Tommy hasn't been a guy who's been able to coach guys like Jalen Milrose to the, to the top of the potential that he has from a talent basis. So it'll be interesting to see how he – um, coincides with Saban on his choice for quarterback as opposed to Saban's <laughs> choice because it may be a little different. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And, and it's an interesting concept, right? I mean, he had great talent in Notre Dame, but he's going to have more four- and five-star talent than he's ever had uh, going into Alabama. So it's interesting just to go back to the quarterbacks real quick. So so Buckner, from what I saw, had a little bit more running ability. He he wasn't afraid to tuck in and run. And we saw that throughout the years of Notre Dame. Brian Kelly almost, you know, if you were a quarterback under Brian Kelly, he liked you to have that running ability. We saw them do it with Jaden Daniels this year at LSU a lot. But Pine seemed a little bit more to be a pocket passer. So, look, everybody's going to try to read between the lines. Milrow's got the running ability. Ty Simpson, more of a pocket passer. The quarterback battle is going to play out, but who do you think, you know, just looking at the two guys on the surface, suits more what Tommy wants to do, the the mobile quarterback or the more true pocket passer? He's 100% going with Ty Simpson. I feel bad for Jalen because he doesn't have a chance under what Tommy wants to do, um, unfortunately. I think what you got to see with Tyler Buckner is Tommy using – Tyler Buckner's ability, what he does best all the time. And, you know, the hero ball thing, you get to see a little bit of trend with that. Maybe it was because he was at Notre Dame and felt like 
he couldn't expand the offense to everybody else. But Alabama is is a great place for Tommy to have no excuses. I think if you want to prove to be a young up and coming genius offense coordinator, Alabama not only gives you the, the resources, but it gives you the ability to do a lot of what you want to do um, on a week to week basis. And I think with the structure that Alabama has, I think Tommy will have a, a better time uh, conforming his idea of what he wants as an offense uh, on the Alabama team that, in my opinion, will be a lot more refreshed coming off of Bill O'Brien, who I think Tommy is better than, but uh, will give a little more of a connection with the the recruiting classes that are coming in uh, from a youth perspective. But, you know, Tommy is a very similar character to what a Saban would like, in my opinion. I think he would like the type of uh, person he is on a in a day in day out very football result based business type of guy and I think the quarterback room will respect that and it's going to be a competition we haven't we haven't seen Tommy be in a position where he's had to play, play out three or four guys that can all do the job probably equally well but he's got to find a guy that's best for him and I think uh, this would be a challenge for him. All right, last thing. We're talking with Malik Zaire. We certainly appreciate your time. Um, I got to ask this question. A lot of Irish fans didn't like Brian Kelly, didn't like how he left, don't root for him, uh, wish nothing well for him. But also, you're a guy, you finished your career at Florida, and let's just be real, it was not. A, it, wasn't, it was a tough situation you went into. It wasn't what you wanted it to be. Who do you root for least, LSU or Florida? <laughs> <laughs> I got a lot of love for Florida. Billy Napier is out there. Jack Miller, shout out Jack Miller. And uh, he hopefully gets a good shot out there. And, uh, you know, LSU, man, uh, they've always been a story program, just like Florida. I got to play at Florida for a little bit, so I would have to go with Florida. But a lot of ties to LSU from all the coaches that I coached with or not coached with but played under at Notre Dame or now at LSU, like Mike Denbrock and – and Brian Kelly and, and and the whole the whole team over there. So um, they're they definitely are taking their formula and and planting it in the SEC. And it's cool to see they end up getting one over on on, on Saban. But you know I think uh, Coach Saban's got a lot in the tank, and it's going to be hard to beat him more than once. And you know Brian Kelly's a guy that's going to be consistent. Is he going to win anything from a championship standpoint? Probably not. But he's going to damn sure be in contention for it every year. And that's going to make it a tough out for him uh, when it gets closer to the end of the season. I will say the last three guys at LSU all did it: Nick Saban, Les Miles, Ed Ogeron. So if BK stays there long enough, he may get he may get him one. Of course, he's got to slay the dragon again. Got to be get through Saban, but uh, we'll see. He is Malik Zaire. Uh, tell folks a little bit about the podcast. Uh, anybody who's looking to you know look, I, it's I got friends all across the South. Everybody's either got a relative or a friend who loves Notre Dame. We can't explain it. That's we right. don't know why they never went there, but there's Notre Dame fans everywhere. Let everybody know a little bit about your podcast. That's right. Shout out to the Lucky Lefty Podcast, me and Sean Davis, holding it down for everything Notre Dame football, everything on the up and up. And we spin it different. You know, we're not giving the basic journalistic, you know, Notre Dame things that you used to. We're going to add some culture in there, add some good football, and we're going to talk the real. So, you know, the good thing about Notre Dame fans is that they either hate us or love us. And if you join our podcast, it's it's no different. (laughs) So come over and listen and you're going to have a good time. Well, Malik, it's been great uh, catching up with you, man, and uh, best of luck with the podcast. And who knows, with the expansion talk, you guys might be in the SEC in a couple years, and we might be all doing this together soon. So 
We'll no, I happens. mean, we make a lot of money, so I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> Malik, thanks for the time, man. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, that is Malik Zaire here on Locked on SEC. Thank you guys again for making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. Make sure to check out our brand-new podcast, Locked on College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Hear from all the big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. Again, our thanks to Malik Zaire. We'll be back tomorrow talking all things SEC right here on Locked on SEC.